The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. Let us be attentive. Brethren, glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. All who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who when the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that what the law requires is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or perhaps excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God fishermen and he said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men immediately they left their nets and followed him and going on from there he saw two other brothers James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee their father mending their nets and he called them immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him And he went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease, and every infirmity among the people.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we call this Sunday the second Sunday after Pentecost. But what it really is, is it's the beginning of the cycle of the church starting all over again. The church operates on many different seasons and cycles. And one of those new beginnings is always after Pentecost. And after doing this a few years, you start to recognize how these cycles begin and what sort of signposts they provide us. And so today, when you think about it being the very first Sunday of this new cycle, if you don't count Pentecost and All Saints, which have their own peculiar characteristics, I find it illuminating that the church chooses to provide us the example of Christ calling his first disciples and to ask them and invite them to be fishers of men. They were fishermen and now Jesus wants them to go out and to proclaim the good news that the Messiah is here that the kingdom is therefore present and that people should begin to repent and to draw near to the source of salvation. It's as if the fathers are saying to us that we are indeed the church of good news and that we are not to read this gospel reading simply as an historical account. But it has significance for us It should mean something to us. We could say, yes, he called his apostles and his disciples in the first century, and he sent them out. And we can read about that in the book of Acts. But I think a more important question should be, what about us? Are we not still the church of good news? Are there still not people who have not heard it? Especially if we ask that question in this way. Are there people who have not heard of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church? They may have heard of Christianity. Many uh, Protestant varieties, the Roman Catholic Church. But how many people have heard about the Orthodox Christian Church and therefore have heard of Jesus in a way that is the fullness, that is unchanged, throughout all of these centuries of the scriptural accounts of him in the same exact way that the people of the first century and the second century and the third century and the fourth century understood it. We in the 21st century who are in the church have that opportunity. But it's not just meant for us. It's meant to go out and to spread that net broadly and to draw the whole world closer to God in the same way that Peter and Andrew and James and John did. I think that it's easy oftentimes for us to forget that the church is evangelical by nature. That it is, among other things, but core to it, it is a missionary church. 
It's easy for us to forget this. And I'm not really sure why. Maybe because the Orthodox are not really good at reading the scriptures. Or because they spent so many centuries persecuted themselves over the years that they forgot that they are to go out. But nevertheless, I think when the cycle begins again each year, and this is the first gospel reading, the fathers of the church are sending us a message. I have some statistics I want to share with you. There's an organization called the Institute, uh, the Pew Institute of Research. And it's pew like a church pew. And it's the one of the only, but certainly the largest, research institute that canvasses the entire United States every so often and does a religious survey to find out where we're at in our religious beliefs. And the last great pew survey that took place uh, was 2014, and the one previous to that was 2007. So seven years of an interval. And so they were able to compare 2007 and 2014. And it's interesting that 85% of American adults claim to be Christian. But 25% or more of those in the last seven years have ceased to make Christianity their affiliation. As a matter of fact, if we were to look even closer at the millennials, those who are from 18 to 33, the up-and-coming generation of adults, 35% of that population group claim to be completely unaffiliated with any religion at all. They would answer about church affiliation in the none, N-O-N-E category. Not N-U-N, but (laughs) N-O-N-E. Think about that. We take for granted, I think when we think, especially the older we are, we take for granted that the United States is a Judeo-Christian country. But this is rapidly ceasing to be the case. The change between 2007 and 2014 in terms of a religious shift from being Christian to going towards none and no affiliation at all is rapidly increasing. At the end of church. And so... This means that the United States is increasingly unchurched. And we are being asked by God to do something about that. Maybe we're not necessarily uniquely talented or gifted to be like these apostles as preachers or great teachers, or even with the grace of performing healings and signs like they were able to do with the help of God. But we definitely have a responsibility. And I would say that probably our most important responsibility is to be living the Christian life ourselves. Yesterday, we had a baptismal service. 
and is a young adult who just graduated from college. And he took the name Paisios, Saint Paisios of the Holy Mount, who died in 1994, who both Father Timothy and I had the opportunity to actually meet. Now, how often in a lifetime can you say that you've met someone who now is canonized a saint? And yesterday was the first time as an Orthodox priest that I was able to baptize somebody, St. Paisios, after St. Paisios. So for me, it was a huge eye-opening awakening and a a, a beautiful experience. But the thing about St. Paisios that's very interesting, and it's not unique to him, but I'm using him as an example for us. He lived his Christian life in such a pronounced way. He was so filled with the grace of God that even though he was a hermit living in isolation in the middle of a peninsula that is entirely inhabited by monastics, men, women are not even allowed on this peninsula since the ninth century. He is buried deep in the forest, living in a small hut, trying to draw close to God. Guess how many people at the time that I met him in 1988 were coming from all over the world to see him. People from all different cultures, all different languages, all different educational backgrounds, all different socioeconomic backgrounds, over a hundred people a day. And Mount Athos is not an easy place to get to. It's not an easy place to get onto. It's not easy to go see someone like Elder Paisios, now St. Paisios. The point is that if we live our life in such a way that we are trying to draw close to God, it's like putting a lantern on a stand and the light shines for all to see and they give glory to God and they come like millers do to light in the dark. They flock to wherever there is grace. St. Paisios wasn't a great preacher. He wasn't even ordained. He didn't travel far or wide. He didn't give lectures. But people sought him out because he had the grace of God. He was a God-bearer. My dear brothers and sisters, our witness is what is going to bring people to the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. As a matter of fact, this survey shows that people have been inoculated with regard to average, powerless, saltless, lightless, lifeless Christianity. When you open your mouth simply to say something about God, People already say, I know that. I've heard that. I've been there. I've done that. But if they see a life transformed, a life changed, if they see that you are being healed of your passions, if you are indeed on the road to becoming a God-bearer, then what you have to say becomes grace-filled, salty, light, and truth. And it's tangible. Because every human being has been made in such a way that when the truth penetrates their heart, they know it. 
and they're drawn to it. My closing remarks are notice in the gospel that when Jesus came to Peter and Andrew who were mending their nets and he said, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their boats and their nets and the same thing with James and John with the addition of the fact that they were fishing with their father and they immediately left him too in order to follow Jesus. How many people do that in a vacuum? None of us would do that out of context. It shows that Peter and Andrew and James and John had been preparing themselves. They were first disciples of John the Baptist before they became disciples of Christ. They were seekers of the Messiah. They were looking and working towards and waiting for and studying for the coming of the one that was promised in the scriptures that they read. And so when Jesus came, having heard of what he had been doing, having been prepared by John, having been prepared by their own prayer, their own life of fasting, their own worship, their own study, it was this context that allowed them to leave their boats, their nets, their father, their past, their way of life, and to launch forward into this newness of life that Christ was offering them. This is also true for us. If we want the Orthodox Church to grow, if we want to offer to the world the medicine of immortality and the antidote to death, quoting St. Ignatius of Antioch, then we must begin to earnestly and deeply desire to draw close to Christ. We have to embrace the fullness of the Orthodox Christian life. We have to repent ourselves. My last words are this, and I say this every now and then, but I want each of you to look at yourselves. Those of you who have converted, I want you to look back to those early months, weeks, and years when you were studying the faith and when you were newly converted. And I want you to examine your life then and your life now. And I want you to say, am I as fervent? Am I as committed? Is God taking the same place on the hierarchy of my heart now as, it, as He did then? Am I as zealous and pious to come to the church services and to come early or on time as I was then, today? Because I'm noticing a trend. Less people at Vespers, people later to Orthros and later to Liturgy, and this is not just true of convents, but whether you're a cradle Orthodox or you became Orthodox later in your life, you have a moment where you as a, an, a, a, an adult or a young adult say, I really want to be committed to this. And something changes. And God gives you grace. And then zeal comes. 
And then commitment comes. And that translates into your everyday life of prayer, of fasting, of reading the scriptures, of attending the liturgical and sacramental life of the church, of being very regular in confession, of having an enthusiasm that is contagious to the people around you. But that is impossible to sustain without intentionality. And so what tends to happen is people become colder and colder and colder in their heart. And these commitments to practices that keep us on the top of our spiritual life begin to wane. And we get comfortable and complacent and apathetic. And what happens to the light of our witness? It's dimmer and dimmer. So I am asking you to take this reading very seriously in this gospel this morning and to be renewed and reminded of the fact that we are a missionary church, that we have the good news and that we need to be evangelistic. But it has to start with the witness that we have in our own life. And that has to start with renewing our commitment to truly be 100% committed to our Orthodox faith, life, and practice. Amen.